Hey everyone, I'm Phil Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever, and I'm gonna call this episode 312. Man, am I stressed. I wish I could drink, but it's only uh, 3 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. Ugh, all I wanted to do was record an episode of the podcast, and I don't know if it's because I updated my desktop Mac to uh, Mojave or whatever it is recently, but my screen capture tool just kept on crashing, and I kind of need it for the episode I want to record today. So I had to improvise and uh, basically installed the same software on my laptop, and uh, I think everything's working. All right. And before we begin, uh, I'd like to mention that the the 26th, so just a couple of days from now, it's going to be the 8th Annual International Day of Protest Against Hereditary Religion. And uh, you can find this group on and this event on Facebook. And on the 26th, they're going to have... Um, a bunch of different, you know, skeptics and atheists kind of hosting these little uh, round tables or chat room discussions. So you can check that out. And, and I'm going to be contributing a little bit as well. Okay, so the reason why I needed a screen capture tool today is that I just want to do a kind of old school unscripted, meandering, weakened out, where I uh, take a look at a variety of news stories and just kind of give my opinion off the cuff as we go. And it saves me a lot of work if I can just record the video as I go along too, the, the video and the audio. That way, the finish, I'll have the finished product for YouTube or just about finished. Uh, I'll probably still have to put some finishing touches on it. And I can also just export the audio and there's my, uh, my audio-only podcast episode. So if I can record the video and audio all at once, it, it uh, saves me a lot of work. Can you guys hear the uh, New England rain in the background there? It's really coming down here. Uh, I had to work. Uh, I basically only had a half day. Um, had to do some little repairs with my brother. And uh, now I'm home. And uh, man, yeah, it's like torrential rain. And my sinuses and my migraines have been kind of acting up. But uh, what are you going to do? Go soldier on. So I'm going to be going in blind hair, working without a net. Uh, I haven't read any of these stories or listened to these video or listened to or watched these videos yet. So neither of us, neither uh, myself or you guys, know what uh, what the heck I'm gonna say. Interesting. O always fun working without a net. So the first story is, and all three of these stories are from Right Wing Watch. Uh, <laughs> this one's entitled charlie champ says pete rose will enter the hall of fame as a sign of christ's imminent return <laughs> and even for someone who's relatively sports illiterate like myself i still know who pete rose is basically a household name um a baseball play old school baseball player who ended up getting uh mired in this uh gambling controversy or scandal I'm trying to think if I should read any of the article or just skip straight to the video. 
Maybe it'll be more fun just to go right to the video. Okay, so I'm back through the magic of editing. Magic, yeah. Uh, so the internet connection on my laptop was so bad that I couldn't even stream the videos. Everything just kept buffering. So I'm back on my Mac Mini. Uh, I think the reason why the screen capture tool kept on crashing is some kind of glitch having to do with... Uh, the way it was reading my microphone, I seem to have everything working for the uh, the time being. Fingers crossed. Can I say that as a uh, as a skeptic? Uh, when it rains, it pours. Literally in this case. Okay, let's try this again. So Charlie Champ once again. Pete Rose will enter the Hall of Fame as a sign of Christ's imminent return. Well, I was taken in the spirit. I went into a vision. And I was brought to a, a uh, national like stadium where there was a sporting event that was happening. And um, suddenly, it, the whole entire stadium started to shake. And um, the Lord said, I'm returning again to America to shake the stadiums for revival. Mm. But my sons and daughters need to recognize that when this happens, this was an event that's going to take place some point in, in, in the future, there will be a stadium that will shake again. Mm. Again, that's very, that's mm -hmm. very, you need to understand again. Because in the encounter that I had, the Lord brought me back to 1989, the year 1989. So it's like back to the future. God brought him back to the 80s, okay. And he took me into another stadium. And in this stadium, I saw it begin to violently shake. And I said, Lord, where am I? And he said, you're in Candlestick Park. Oh, yeah, World Series. The third game of the World Series. Yeah. And he said, I brought this shaking to, as a sign of awakening of what I wanted to do in 1989. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly I was lifted into uh, the city of Cincinnati. And I saw a man standing in red. And I said, who is this, Lord? He said, this is Peter to me. He said, this man was a, a um, pastime hero of, American, uh, of America. And I said, who is it, Lord? He said, Pete Rose. He oh. said, <laughs> okay. And so God says, this is Peter to me. He doesn't just say, oh, it's Pete Rose. Uh, no, this is Peter to me. So it seems like maybe there's almost this kind of biblical comparison that's being implied, as in Peter from the, uh, from the Bible, from the New Testament, the rock, uh, not Dwayne Johnson, but the, uh, the, the first pope of the church, um, I don't really, I don't really see the connection there <laughs> between um, Peter and uh, Pete Rose, uh, this kind of disgraced former pro uh, baseball player. And not that I care at all that uh, Pete Rose was gambling. I do not care about gambling at all. I think it should be completely legal, and of course, in some cases, it is. I'm trying to think. Was he? Betting on baseball, was that the controversy, uh, perhaps? Um, anyway, I, I, re I really couldn't care less that he was gambling. Uh, I, I just don't see the, the connection there. 1989, he said there was a massive scandal that took place with yeah, Pete Rose. That's right. He said, and even to this day, he has not been allowed to enter into the Hall of Fame. Mm, no? But he mm. said as a prophetic sign, he said that the Lord will redeem him 
and allow him to be forgiven and enter into oh the baseball God. hall of fame. And it will be a sign uh, to the church <laughs> that those that have been away from the Lord that were playing in the game, huh. they were playing in the game, they were on the field, but they were taken out through scandal. The Lord said that it will be a sign that I'm returning. Just let me say, stop just a second. Yes, sir. Pete Rose, this, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he sent me a baseball. Huh. Pete Rose just sent you a baseball. Yes, and wrote on it. A few years ago. Wow. And per- asked me to pray for him. Yes. Oh. Plus, we have a big poster of Pete Rose that he signed. Nobody's ever mentioned. I mean, I've never talked about it. No, we well, haven't told talked anybody. About it. But you're sharing this. It's, yeah. it's uh, wow. And so there's that uh, right wing watch music that I always joke about how it, uh, it's so morbid. It sounds like the music you probably hear on your deathbed or when you're dying. I just picture myself uh, sliding down into a bog or something. But uh, okay, so uh, Jim Baker, talk about scandals. Uh, if I mean, I'm a Gen Xer, so I remember when he was all over the news, uh, I think probably back in the 80s because of his own scandals. And uh, he supposedly receives a signed baseball from Pete Rose a few years back. And uh, so we're supposed to put that together with this uh, this guy, Champ. Uh, sounds like a lost member of the Three Stooges. I've never heard of it before. With his vision about Pete Rose and uh, we're supposed to take this as a sign from God. And I don't want to get too much off track, but... This reminds me of something I've been thinking about. I think I talked about it a little bit on one of the bonus episodes. I was discussing how uh, recently, just out of kind of like intellectual curiosity, I've been researching chaos magic because, uh, you know, a friend got me into the last podcast on the left and a couple of the guys on there always talking about it. And... um the more I study it, I think I, I already read one whole book on it, and I'm very close to finishing the book uh, Condensed Chaos by Phil Hine. I think I'm like 270 pages in. And as fascinating as and as fun as the topic is, I start to see comparisons between kind of some of the thinking involved in chaos magic and some of the stuff that I actually managed to escape, you know, that that went along with my Catholic upbringing. Uh, I think I, I didn't become a skeptic because I thought it would be fun to to be free from religion. That's kind of a fringe benefit. I became a skeptic because my reason eroded my faith. I, I actually, I wanted to believe when I was young, you know. Um, but yeah, one of the fringe benefits of being a skeptic is that you do really shed a lot of that neurotic baggage, like uh, all this kind of superstitious, magical thinking, etc. And while reading that book by Phil Hine, and I think he tries to assure the reader um, that you know you don't re- you don't have to worry about magical attacks. Uh, nine out of ten times, um, no one's trying to attack you or something like that. Uh, but remind me of David Bowie. David Bowie, when he was living on milk and peppers, 
and uh, suffering from cocaine psychosis and was really steeped deeply into the occult. Um, really uh, suffered from all these paranoid delusions that other magic practitioners were out to get him, including, uh, <laughs> including Led Zeppelin's Jimmy Page. And um, another thing was, I got to this part of the book where they're talking about summoning servitors. And a servitor is like this little magical being, like a thought form that you bring into creation with your own will or your own thoughts. And it basically takes on a life of its own. And you can create a servitor to maybe help you with your writing, to heal other people, this kind of stuff. And he was talking about how he had created a servitor in the past to help him be a better writer or to give him creative inspiration. And then when the servitor went away or was banished or whatever, he felt like, you know, he started suffering from kind of like writer's block or he wasn't feeling as creative anymore. And I'm like, now I'm seeing the dangerous side of this and I'm seeing kind of the same type of magical thinking that was involved in the Catholicism that I was raised in. You know, having to worry if you're under magical attack or um, worrying that you lost your mojo in some department of your life because your magical friend went away or whatever. I mean, yeah, it just reminds me of uh, the superstitious baggage that a lot of uh, religious people have to deal with. And as someone who escaped all that, I'm like, as fun and in, and as intriguing as something like chaos magic is, I'm like, why would someone who is able to escape that want to, you know, walk back into it, you know, and kind of once again embrace all this kind of superstitious uh, magical thinking and stuff like that? When I began researching it, my hope was, you know, it would just be a fun topic to read up on and that maybe I could find some kind of like self-help aspects to it, you know, some kind of psychological self-exploration aspects that didn't require any belief in spooky magical stuff. But um yeah, at the end of the day I'm starting to think it's just another kind of bunch of hokum or whatever. Um I think it psychologically it probably could work in a way, you know, it can help you focus on what you want in life more and maybe um by visual and maybe by visualizing what it is you want and performing these little rituals, maybe your confidence is being built in some way, and maybe in some way you're more likely to take the steps to get that thing you want in life. But you know, I, I kind of compare it to prayer. I mean, it seems kind of interesting. Like Richard Dawkins once said, I'm paraphrasing, I've mentioned this on the show before, about how, uh, isn't it funny how things people claim were cured by prayer were things that could have gotten better on their own anyway? You never hear about the regeneration of a limb or something, you know, being brought about by prayer. And it's kind of like a similar thing with chaos magic. You know, maybe uh, you want your love life to improve. Maybe you want to be more successful. And then maybe these areas of your life actually do improve and you say ah it was the chaos magic but aren't those things that could have gotten better just by you applying yourself anyway or by you know building your confidence through other means um 
So, I mean, I'm, I still am fascinated by the occult and by magic and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's really anything more to it than there is to prayer or something like that. Um, but okay. So here's another one. This is uh, Rick Wiles. Conservative patriots will violently wipe out Democrats who oppose Trump's border wall. And this is from uh, January 22nd. Look, the military is made up of Americans from the heartland of the country. They're going to back him. They know that he's building a wall for the protection of the country. They're going to back him. And the Democrats and the leftists and the deep state, they're going to be, pardon the pun, they're going to have their backs to a wall. Right? Right. What are they going to do? They're going to challenge him? Are the leftist Democrats going to riot? Are they going to start civil defense, civil unrest? Yes. Yes. And then what's going to happen? Well, if we're under a state of national emergency, President Trump could actually use the military to suppress and put down. That's right. That's right. And they could they could be rounded up as subversives. I mean, I don't think the Democrats want to take it this far. They better wise up and stop what they're doing because they're pushing the republic to the brink of breaking. That's really what's happening. They're pushing the republic to the brink of snapping. Yes. And it's Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all of the radical leftists that are behind them. And they better count the cost. What happens if you push the country that far? You snap the bonds that hold this country together, you might be shocked at the reaction you get because there's a lot of fury built up inside millions of Americans who are just fed up with what the left is doing and the deep state. They're fed up with it. And if, if the country is pushed to the point of snapping or breaking, I'm telling you, it's... It, they're going to regret the day that they took it that far. Mm. They are going to regret it. You think if the president declares a national emergency? And I have to admit, I was just kind of phased out for a lot of that because I was staring at this guy who's talking now in the middle. And I thought it was Joe Arpaio uh, for a minute. You know, that controversial sheriff or whatever makes like prisoners dress up in pink or whatever. Um this kind of hero of the conservative right. And I recently found out that Joe, Ar oh, uh, Joe Arpaio was partying, I think, at uh, one of these prostitute ranches with, uh, what's, what's the guy's name? Dennis Hoff. I just heard this the other day that Dennis Hoff, the guy behind the bunny ranch, actually died recently. And uh, Joe Arpaio was there partying with him. And there was some other, uh, one or two other prominent right-wingers who were there, too. Messed up. Um, but yeah, so what the heck are they talking about? That uh, the left bear give in to the right on this whole border wall thing or whatever? You know, I, I consider myself to be a left-leaning independent. I, I don't just blindly fall into step with, uh, you know, the left on everything or whatever. And as far as immigration goes, I fully embrace the idea of America as a melting pot. And I mean, I'm predominantly Italian with a good deal of Irish too, a little bit, I think maybe a tiny bit of English and French mixed in, predominantly Italian and Irish. And those are two groups that were really kind of looked down on as the other back in the day. Um, and so, yeah, it'd be hypocritical of me to 
not want to look at, at uh, America as a melting pot and give others the same chance that my ancestors were given. That being said, I do think that every country should have a right to control the flow of immigration and to keep track of who is coming into their their country and to de- to decide who comes in. That being said, I, I do I think this whole thing with Trump and the this uh, wall that he uh, promised, this kind of giant monument to his own ego. Um, I kind of feel like mo- more than being about the security of the nation, I think it's more more about his ego and uh, him wanting to save face and fall through with this kind of grandiose campaign promise he had made. And one thing that really disgusts me is the whole government shutdown thing. It's like, uh, as someone who comes from a blue-collar family, someone, even though I have a graphic design degree, I'm still swinging a hammer for a living. So someone who's a blue-collar worker, who knows what it's like to bust your ass, pardon my French. Do, do should I even bother apologizing for swearing on the show at this point? Um, you know what I mean? Who, who, know, who understands how hard money can be the come-by? Um... You have someone like Donald Trump, who's kind of playing this game of chicken um, with the livelihoods of these government workers. This guy who was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, who what, his father his father gave him at least a million, at least I think technically it was more than that, as it turns out, to you know start it out on his own. Um, who's enforcing this government shutdown? That's leaving hardworking American men and women without their paychecks. Yeah, they might get paid at some point down the road. They probably will. They'll get reimbursed at some point. But, well, uh, while Donald Trump's trying to save face, these struggling families suddenly find themselves without a paycheck at the end of the week. And that's pretty disgusting to me. But uh, anyway. That's going to be the beginning maybe of of a new civil war in America? It, it could go that far if the Democrats start civil disobedience. If they try, you know, if they go out in the streets and they become violent and they start attacking conservatives and, you know, who knows what, I mean, we've seen how crazy they'll act. They're not mentally stable. I mean, all- <laughs> people on the left aren't mentally stable. Uh, that's quite the generalization. Um, but I mean, wing nuts come in all flavors, right? You have extremists on the right, extremists on the left. You have people like Antifa who resort to violence, and you have uh, alt-right people who resort to violence. Um, but this guy seems to have his kind of political blinders on. It's all, it's all the left to this guy. Honestly, the Democrats are not mentally stable. L- look at that. Remember the video a couple of weeks ago, the guy that went into the vape shop? Oh, yes, yes. The, and, and he's wearing a, a Trump hat, and the store uh, clerk went berserk. Yes. Absolutely berserk. Yeah, Lost his marbles, all right? If that guy was armed, he would have shot the customer. Yes. Well, that's a pretty big leap, saying that you know that the guy would have shot the other guy. I don't even know what they're referring to. Maybe the guy really was acting unhinged or really, you know, wound up or whatever. But 
that that's quite the assumption saying that uh you know if the guy had a gun he would have shot you know possibly killed this other human being um but i I do think it is kind of you know it's silly when people get all super wound up about the mega hats and stuff i honestly can't stand trump i used to enjoy him on like the celebrity apprentice and he was just kind of an entertaining almost you know stereotypical uh you know, money bags type of figure come to life or something. Um, but as I've said before on the show, it was, pro- it was around the, bur- when he started drumming the, you know, when he started banging the drum, waving the banner for the whole birther movement, uh, I thought that's when I really started to notice or see his ugly side come to light. Uh, the way he tried to paint Barack Obama as the other, um, and I think, I mean, correct me if I'm mistaken. Let's say for the sake of argument, Barack Obama was born overseas, Indonesia, whatever it is. His mother was still Amer- an American citizen, which would make him an American citizen, right? So, I, I mean, there didn't even seem to be any point to that whole conspiracy other than to kind of try to paint him as the other. Um Then even if, uh you know, right-wingers don't care who are usually the ones who really people think of as supporting the military. I've been really bothered by a number of stances or things that Donald Trump has said in regards to the military. Um, I did not think he would survive that stupid comment, ignorant comment he made about John McCain saying that he prefers people who aren't captured or something. Uh, I thought that was disgusting especially coming from this guy who, when, you know, he had a chance to serve, uh, squirmed out of it with all these deferments. And then there's other questionable things he's, you know, he's said or done regarding the military too. Uh, and then you can go into all the, uh, the stuff regarding women and everything else. So I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump, but I wouldn't give any kind of Trump troll the satisfaction of getting all worked up or red in the face, you know, that's probably to some degree, that's probably what they want. If you go out in public wearing one of those red MAGA hats, I'm not saying everyone, but there are a lot of trolls who are looking for a reaction. I I wouldn't give them the satisfaction. I think when you get all worked up over, you know, someone's hat or whatever, you, you end up making yourself look bad. Is that deranged? That's a Democrat for you. That's what you have right now with Democrats. They're close to snapping. They're mentally unstable. And all it would take is uh, the leadership of the Democratic Party coming up, uh, doing like they did after uh, President Trump's televised address a couple weeks ago here, and telling the public, we want you to resist the orders of President Trump. We want you to, again, you said civil disobedience, we we want you to go out and and, and cause unrest. If they did that, and that was televised, you know the networks would run that. They did it in 2018 elections. Maxine Waters said, get up in their face, chase them out of the restaurants. But that's not civil disobedience. This is such weird partisan fear-mongering. Yeah, does that go for either side? Yeah, if, if, you know, painting this hypothetical scenario, if a leader from the other political party went out and called for unrest, you know, oh, that could lead to violence or this and that, or chaos, you know. Yeah, no shit. That goes for... You know, whoever's in power, if someone from the other side tries to drum up resistance. Obedience. Well, they knew what they were doing. That's being a thug. Yes. 
That's right. But they were trying to stir a revolution, and they pushed it pretty far, all right? If he declares a national emergency and starts building that wall, uh, I don't know what they're going to do. But I'm just saying this. If the Democrats and the left push it, they're going to get slammed against a wall. Yeah. going to be lights out for the Democrats and the leftists. I'm telling you, the conservative patriots will slam your slimy butt against a wall that you hate. Okay, it's going to happen. <laughs> your slime, they're going to slam your slimy butt against a wall. And this thing with the wall, I think I was watching the drunken peasants last night or the night before, and they were actually talking about how, um, you know, other presidents, both Republican and Democrat, I think even uh, Barack Obama had worked on building sections of border fence. And now, you know, Trump's backpedaling saying, oh, no, um, it's uh, it's a fence now. It's a steel slat barrier or whatever, you know. Um and so he seems to be building up yet more sections of fence like past presidents have done, which hasn't seemed to accomplish too much regarding immigration. I don't think logistically you could even build, if you wanted to, a coast-to-coast -coast continuous, one continuous border wall. Um, there's always going to be gaps and things like that. And to be I don't even, like I said earlier, I'm not even necessarily, I'm not against beefing up border security or against trying to get a better handle on who's coming into our country. Um, I just don't really like the way Donald Trump is going about it. I don't like the way that he paints immigrants as the other. Uh, and the way he kind of throws that red meat to his uh, more right-leaning base. I, to be honest, I think he's full of shit. I think he makes promises he can't deliver on. And then he kind of doubles down because of his ego. And uh, we see where that leads. Now we have this government shutdown where we have all these workers who have families to support, who aren't getting paychecks at the end of the week and still have bills to pay. And I like, uh, wasn't it like a few weeks back, there was some kind of um, government suggestion, you know, it's like a list of suggestions, th suggestions, things you can do if you're a government worker and you're not getting paid because of the shutdown. One of them was, see if uh, your landlord or whatever will let you do carpentry. And as someone who works in the home remodeling business, whose family, um, who comes from a family of carpenters, remodelers, it's like... Doing serious carpentry is a learned skill. Um, it's not as easy as you think it is. Maybe some small repairs or something, but if someone needs like a porch built or if someone needs uh, some serious repairs done to, um, you know, the structure of a building or something, uh, yeah, it's not just something anyone can do to earn, you know, a few extra bucks or whatever. Uh, it's like, sure, that that's easy to say. Uh, why don't you offer to do some uh, carpentry? How about some plumbing and electrical work while you're at it, too? <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of this stuff is work that requires a skilled craftsman and requires uh, and requires permits from the local government, etc. Uh, anyway. And not going to tolerate it. The American people want law and order in this country. 
And the Democrats are a party of rebellion. Of lawlessness. Of lawlessness. And they... they and once again, I consider myself a left-leaning independent. Um, and I don't, I don't consider myself uh, as owing allegiance to any particular political party. But obviously, as a left-leaning person, I'm often going to have more in common with, uh, with say, the Democratic Party than uh, the right. But like a, a lot of uh, progressives will, will, will complain about, um, if anything... The mainstream left nowadays, mainstream Democratic politicians, etc., are more like centrist conservatives from the Reagan era than they are true progressives or liberals or anything. Um, and this is why you have a lot of young people fighting to get uh, money out of politics and um, and pointing out the uh, this kind of infestation of lobbyists and government, etc. So he's trying to paint... Uh, the Democratic Party, like they're a bunch of, uh, I don't know, Mad Max-esque wasteland warriors, which would be pretty cool. I, I don't see that. Or, uh, uh, I don't know, a bunch of uh, wild hippies or something. I, I don't know. Uh, both sides of the aisle, they're all a bunch of stuffed suits to me for the most part. Better count the cost before they do something crazy. Because there's, there's, a, there's a limit to how much patience the American people are going to show them. Uh, how about the fact that a lot of American people are on the left? You say the American people, like one, they're one monolithic whole. There's people on the left and the right in this country and people who fall in between. Uh, people who are just, you know, either apathetic about politics, people who are maybe kind of, you know, in independent like myself, uh, whether they be left-leaning independents like myself, um... Uh, so this is just a bunch of partisan horseshit, fear-mongering, uh, etc. see. What's this one? Dave Kubal, whoever the fuck that is. Dave Kubal prays against the witches and diabolical power operating in Alexandria, Ocasio Cortez's district. And I'm very familiar with uh, AOC. Maybe that's why people call her AOC. It's, it's, that's a mouthful. Um... Okay, let's, let's see if there's a video here. And yes, there is. Okay. The good news about the midterm elections is that there is a great opportunity to be, for evil to be exposed in the days and weeks to come. Well, what do I mean? I mean, I'm going to lay out in front of you a series of thoughts of real-life happenings, of relational connections that I, <clears throat> I think you're going to find astounding. I just have a st I just have to stop for a minute because I watch so much YouTube and I'm so steeped in internet kind of neckbeard culture that uh, even like this jargon that I find annoying like it's starting to just spontaneously pop into my mind like he said something about thoughts and I thought about, and I, it's actually uh, a term that I find uh, kind of, you know, annoying or offensive, T-H-O-T, but that came to mind. In weeks to come. Well, what do I mean? I mean, I'm going to lay out in front of you a series of thoughts. <laughs> thoughts. Oh, my God. It's just such like a juvenile thing, but it's, a it's a, an acronym for that hoe over, the, over there. 
And people will say, like, that thought. And I'm like, isn't that redundant? That, that hoe over there. Uh, I don't call people hoes or whatever, so it's actually kind of a little slang thing that gets under my skin. But I, I've been watching so much YouTube that now, you know, I'm conditioned that this kind of crap pops into my head, too. Of real life happenings, of relational connections that I, <clears throat> I think you're going to find astounding. It's been widely publicized that there are a, there is a coven of witches that casts coven. Say a coven. I was on President Trump twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. This particular. <laughs> it's a coven of witches twenty four seven. Man, they're working them. They're working their magic. I wonder if any of them are chaos magicians. Oh man, you got got to be careful of uh, of spells. It's almost as dangerous as prayer. Killer Coven is found in the southern portion of New York City. Well, in the southern part of New York City, it happens to be the jurisdiction. Can we finally, just as a species, move beyond all this magical thinking bullshit? Jesus Christ. ...of a U.S. district court called the Southern District of New York. And in that court, a Clinton appointee to that court is the judge that is overseeing the Michael Cohen case, which has been widely publicized. So in other words, the Robert Mueller investigation is utilizing this court and a Clinton appointee in order to pursue all of these charges against the Trump campaign. Now, the judge that started this whole process is a judge by the name of Kimba Woods, and Kimba Woods is not a household name by any stretch, but she definitely travels in very high circle. I was trying to, I'm like, what? What was that name? Kimba. Kimba. When I was growing up, it's funny because I'm an animal lover and I'm, I really love dogs. But when I was growing up, when I was a little kid, I, I was deathly afraid of dogs because I had some bad experiences. Back in the day when I was growing up, no one kept their dogs on a leash it's really it's like back in my day but back in my day there really were just like angry dogs roaming neighborhoods and stuff and uh my neighbors had a black oh what do you call those dogs that's gonna drive me nuts uh tip of the tongue syndrome these big fluffy kind of spitz looking dogs um their tongues, uh, they have these characteristically dark tongues, like their tongues are black, uh, at least if the coat's black, like the tongue matches or something like that. Um, I forget the name of that breed, but they're known to be aggressive. So it was like this big, black, fluffy dog with like a dark tongue named Kimba. And the thing used to chase me around the neighborhood. Anyway. She is the judge who recently officiated in George Soros's wedding. In 2013, George Soros was married for the third time, and the judge who is over this court, over the Cohen case, is the judge who presided over George Soros's wedding. It just so happens that in attendance of this wedding was our now Speaker of House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi. So right in the middle of all of this, the Southern District, in the middle of where these witches are doing the 24-7 um, spell casting, we spell find casting. the territory of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. 
That's what it is. I was just looking it up. Uh, chow Chow. <laughs> so that's kind of, it's kind of like humiliating saying I was deathly afraid of, a, of something called a Chow Chow. Uh, those dogs are no joke, though, especially when you're a little kid. They're kind of like they're known to be uh, aggressive at times. All right. Of all of. And yeah, I think no matter what color the coat is, they can have those characteristically dark tongues. Okay. This going on. So is this a coincidence? Maybe. I don't can't say that I have visions in the spiritual realm on how evil happens. But is there an evil thread running through this area trying? So I just don't know how people do it. I mean, even though I just factually, I think prayer and spells and all this that, you know, it's just it's, it's all superstition. It's make believe. Uh Besides just that common sense, well, sometimes common sense isn't so common. Besides that kind of sound, skeptical, rational reason for not believing, just as a matter of practicality, too, just navigating through life. How do you, how do you navigate through life constantly worrying about uh, if people work in some kind of, you know, mojo against you or something, or that there's unseen forces out there yet you constantly have to contend with Jesus? Dispel diabolical power. My point is, is that there is great opportunity in the days, weeks, months to come <clears throat> to see the enemy of our souls, his efforts to be exposed, for Satan to overplay his hand so that truths like what I am describing to you, coincidences that I am describing to you, will be discovered. Just this week, there was a spiritual SWAT team that was... <laughs> spiritual SWAT team um and that's funny i want to pause for a minute because he talks about coincidences and i noticed that while researching chaos magic too is that they put a big emphasis on coincidences you're actually supposed to kind of keep a journal and keep track of all these little coincidences or synchronicities and that seems to be like you're priming yourself to be more superstitious uh to be more and more superstitious because it's like to me, coincidences, uh, so-called synchronicities, are usually just like a numbers game. Um, think about all the times where you don't experience a coincidence. It makes sense that once in a while, little things are gonna seem to be connected when they're really not. You know, you're gonna have these little moments. Like you, maybe you're thinking about a certain song, and then you know you get in the car and it's playing on the radio, or you think about someone. And, and then you receive a call from them. Yeah, on the face of it, that seems spooky. But think about all the times that doesn't happen. It's like it's bound to happen at certain points just as a numbers game. Um, and I don't know how healthy it is to condition yourself to focus on those little coincidences and convince yourself that there's something spooky going on that, uh, th that probably, you know, when probably there isn't. Into this particular geographic area in order to deal with the spiritual um, activity that is going on here. Lord, we pray, we ask you that your mighty hand, that the power of your Holy Spirit would bring light into this part of New York. Father God, that the relational connections, that the, the threads of evil, that the diabol diabolical communications that are occurring behind the scenes, with, with people who are uh, humans, with supernatural forces that are, 
are having great effect. Father God, we pray that they would be exposed. Ah, uh, so he he wants God to use his uh, special Christian mojo against uh, this other faction's diabolical mojo. Uh, you know, as someone who actually has a fascination with and a reverence for primitive cultures and their beliefs and uh, shamanism and stuff like that. In a way, this, this kind of reminds me of that in, in a bad way. It, it's like, if you really strip it down, it's this really primitive tribal crap about people thinking that uh, they can uh, curse and cast spells at uh, their neighbors who stole their goat or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Um I mean, I just think life's too short to worry about whether or not the person uh, across the way is trying to, you know, uh, curse you or hex you or something. And uh, it's like, so what's this guy saying? He actually believes that witches can use magic to interfere with politics. It's like, give me a break, you idiot. Uh, I usually don't call people names like that. I'm just, I don't know. I'm at the end of my rope. Come on, man. How the God is, as so many of these are now in power that are running court cases, that are speakers uh, of the House, that are um, that are representatives. Father God, I, I pray that it would be perfectly clear what their intents are. I pray that it would be perfectly clear that that uh, that uh, the evil that is being used, that is that is using them would be exposed. How about we all just try to act like sane human beings and affect change by uh, trying to be competent and actually get stuff done uh, through non-magical means? Uh, and I, I, actually, I actually feel kind of bad for calling that guy an idiot, but I'm just uh, just pissed. But that being said, I guess I'll call this episode a wrap. Thanks for uh, listening or watching. You guys know the drill. Please like the Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you want to support the show monetarily, you can use the PayPal widget, the bottom of the Podbean page. There's all that alliteration. Or you can uh, support the show via Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Doubt and help the show out for as little as 99 cents a month. All right, brothers and sisters, until next time.